I'm Pete. And Justin is going to be a little late again. <laughs> Classic Justin. Classic Justin. Now, he has, uh, I'm very curious to talk to him about this. Has nothing to do with comic books, but he went on a plane ride. On a little yeah, old plane ride, to, uh, and that's terrifying. He went to the West Coast. Yeah. Now, before we get going, uh, Zelbin, you wanted to flex at the start of the uh, the podcast? Was, no. I so why don't we get that out of the way? flex about anything. What oh, why don't you... That? What's that in the background? What's that over there? That's yeah. Over, over, over there. Is that the DC box thing that you got sent because of your day job that's so important and amazing that you always are fucking talking about it nonstop, how important let me, let me you just, are? Uh, like, kind of move it. Let me move it so it's in the camera frame over here. Just yeah. Kind of like, Go ahead, you fucking egomaniac. Why don't we fucking stroke your ego a little bit more? Oh, <laughs> you're such a DC head. You're such a DC head. <laughs> oh my god. That was cool, right? <laughs> oh man. Oh, that is hysterical. No, they did send this uh, very nice pack for DC fandom. Uh I am curious because I can't quite figure it out. They sent uh, I'm going to put it for anybody who's listening on the podcast. This obviously is going to be bad for you, but if you're watching on YouTube, watching on Crowdcast, um, they said this piece of art, the reflection, we can't see shit angle it. No, you no, you're killing me. Come on, man. Angle it forward, forward, tilt it towards the, yeah, there we go. Now it's like the superheroes are flying at you. Yeah. I, I mean, my main question was somebody drew it. I can't recognize the signature at all. It just says Mr. It looks like it's Mr. Or Mrs. It looks like. Oh, okay. Maybe it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yeah, yeah. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah, the Ben the Border Collie is asking about the volume thing. I don't know what's going on. I'm just shouting as much as possible. So Yeah, he's a little low. I'm a little high. It's it's We're going to have to deal with it. We're working out. We got stuff. shitty cameras going on right now. I just <laughs> moved. I've been fucking with my equipment for like an hour, and this is the best I can do. Yeah. Well, it's great. You got a whole Phantom of the Opera thing going on, Pete. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, folks, <laughs> even though Justin is going to be a little late to the show, I am very excited about the guests that we're going to have here. Two great guests, again, as usual. Later in the show, we're going to have Steve Orlando is going to be here to talk about his new upcoming book. Right now, though, I am going to invite in our first guest, Jeremy Whitley. He is the writer of School for Extraterrestrial Girls. Jeremy Whitley, everybody. Hey! Hey! Welcome. How's it going? Hello. I've installed Hello. a banner just in case you forget who I am halfway through. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's actually just to cover all the pool toys that are behind me. So No, I love it. It's like we're talking to you at a con. It's very cool. I've actually been at a con this whole time. My house is just wow. one six-month con at this point. Could you imagine if you had to quarantine at a con? That would be <laughs> maybe bad. <laughs> How many cosplays do you have? Is it enough to go from March to August? <laughs> oh, <months>? oh, man. <laughs> it's know. August. People are just cosplaying as like Matt Fraction at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, my cosplay is tired, dude. I don't know. Leave me alone. 
Well, anyway, uh, Jeremy, excited to have you here. Excited to talk. We're a big fan of your work. Uh, and this latest book came out August 4th from Paper Cuts, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, yeah, so this is School for Extraterrestrial Girls. <laughs> nice! Well-timed, well-timed. Very well-timed. Art by Jamie DiGucci. Uh, this book is delightful, as always. I really enjoyed reading it a lot. Uh, the pitch is right there in the title, but why don't you give it to us? Why don't you tell us what the genesis for the book was? Yeah, it's... Uh, so I think the genesis for the book, in a large part, was sort of the uh, the title... Because we, I came up with this idea of of doing this sort of uh, school for, um, it, it's a government run institution where uh, people who are extraterrestrials on Earth, uh, younger ones especially, have to go to this place to sort of learn about the rest of the universe, learn about themselves and their their place in this. Uh, basically, the the main character in this Terra is uh, discovers that she is an alien, hasn't known her whole life. Um, and is given the option of either going to this place and basically attending this high school just for, for aliens uh, or being shipped off to a planet that she has never been to at this point. She's lived her whole life on Earth. So she uh, you know, chooses to go to the school. And it's sort of the story of her uh, for the first time really making friends and, and uh, doing general high school stuff, figuring out who she is. But in this giant context of, uh, you know, extraterrestrials and aliens and uh, dealing with all that, uh, all those other things as well. Well, and one of the things that I really loved about the book in particular was it's not, you do get the dip- typical type of aliens. I mean, this is mild spoilers, but like you get the gray, big eyed aliens. And certainly she's, you find out very quick in the book, she is a lizard alien uh, that uh, can create fire, is constantly on fire, can sort of control it a little bit. But there's a lot of variations there. How, much latitude did you give yourself with the alien creation? I think probably the biggest sort of tone setter is, is you find out pretty early on that one of the main characters is, uh, is a fairy. Um, and it's sort of, she is sort of an interdimensional alien in that case. And uh, I was like, all right, so, you know, we're just, that kind of opens up the the vibe for just about anything, you know, it can be fantasy, it can be sci-fi, it can be a little bit of everything. Um, and I wanted to sort of give it that all encompassing feel, um, that way and, and just kind of go a little wild. And then, you know, when I turned, uh, when I turned the script over to Jamie, I left a lot of these, uh, sections you see in like the halls and inside the school with sort of, a just go crazy, like create something cool, put, put, you know, whatever you want, put your spin on it. Um, and I think he created some, some really amazing designs and some really cool stuff in those pages. Well, to that end, uh, a lot of it does take place in the school. There's a couple of other locations. Uh, did you or Jamie, did you map it out? Did you kind of figure out where everything was in the school or was it uh, riffing a little bit? Um, it's a little bit of both because I think just about the first thing they do when they, they get to the school is the, the headmistress gives her a little bit of a tour. Um, so it's sort of a quick run through where everything is. Um, but it's also a, a location that... Uh, is sort of easily changeable over time. So, you know, um, they, they move some stuff around, but there are, um, you know, dorms and then classes, and then there's, you know, some outside features that stay there. And then there's some that change as well. Uh, another, uh, thing that I really enjoyed in the book, there's two sisters who are alien cats. Uh, they're very different. Where did they come from? 
so I had the idea of doing like the cat alien thing first and then the characters sort of came from there. I was like, you know, I, I want them to be sisters, but I want them to be basically, they're kind of the two different types of cats. Uh, you know, there's this cat, uh, who is the sort of all up in your face, in your business, you know, on your keyboard when, when in the middle of everything you're doing type of cat. And, uh, then her sister's Venislava is very much like, doesn't want anything to do with you dealing with her own life, doing her own thing type cat. Uh, I love how internet-y cat number two gets in particular. Was there a point when you had to pull it back at all where you're like, no, the emoji face is uh, great, but we can't go farther than that. Uh, Where was the line? I don't think we found the line yet. I think (laughs) um, I've already written book two and I think book two, I started really like pressing up against the line um, because not, not to be too spoilery about a book that isn't even out yet, but she starts she has sort of a, a drama war journal in that uh, it's very like Punisher war journaly, but recording all the like, you know, uh, goings on of, you know, couples and drama and other romance in the school. Uh, another thing that I think is uh, very cool about the book beyond the internetiness, beyond the ridiculous aliens is it is very much based very deeply in the friendship and the love the characters feel with each other reading it. It was interesting uh, I mean, this is kind of like two questions in one in terms of what age group you're going for, because reading it, I was like, oh, this is great. Everybody loves each other so much. They're friends. And then I took a little step back and I was like, am I supposed to be shipping these characters? What, what's happening here? And so I guess that breaks down to like, are you aiming for that slightly older group who is going to end up shipping all of these characters? Or is it a slightly younger group that it's more about like finding yourself, finding your truth, um, being true to who you are, not worrying about the things that make you special, etc. Or is it all of that? Uh, honestly, it's kind of all of that because I, I think, um, I mean, having written sort of in that middle grade YA space for a while um, with, you know, things like Princeless, which I've been writing for like 10 years at this point, um, I like to I like to write up to younger audiences, like, um, you know, put things that they'll understand in there, put things that are, are going to really jive for them, but also but never to talk down to them never to think, you know, that they're, that's I shouldn't include something just because they might not get it. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of these things are things that kids are going through in middle school and high school, even if not in these exact terms. Um, and I think, you know, it's been, I've gotten much more uh, fan mail, parents talking to me about things, kids coming up to conventions about things that sort of walked along that borderline of like, maybe it might be a little heavy for kids than, uh, you know, than, than pulling stuff back. Uh, what has it been like launching a new property in the middle of a pandemic? Fun, it's, right? it's super weird. I have no idea. Like I have no idea how any of it's going. I haven't signed a single copy of this book yet. Oh. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I would normally, be like getting towards the end of convention season at this point. Like, you know, uh, I would just be starting to think about, you know, my, my last couple of shows before New York, which is usually one of my, my last bigger shows for the year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very strange. Cause like, I, 
I really feel like I'm flying blind on it. And I'm hoping that, you know, uh, between being able to, to do things like talk to you all about it and talk about it on Twitter and my, um, my publisher paper cuts has been doing a, a wonderful job sort of talking it up and, and getting it in the hands of librarians and teachers and, uh, you know, book buyers and things like that, that hopefully that'll, uh, be able to do what we need to do. Uh, and you said you're already written out on book two. Is there a timeline for that? Or do you, is it going to come out next year? Is it a once a year book? Is it more frequent than that? What are you thinking at this point? Uh, the hope is to do it once a year. Um, yeah, I'd, we'd like to get it out about the same time next year that this one came out. Um, so that's, that's our hope. Uh, Jamie is drawing it right now. I think he's uh, having a much easier time uh, with this volume than the first one. I think the first time you draw something or write something, the length of the graphic novel, there's always a point somewhere in the middle where you're like, why am I still doing this? Like, <laughs> cause I, I, especially when you're used to doing, uh, you know, 20 page stuff, you know, it's so easy. I mean, for me, there's a lot of thought that goes into it beforehand, but usually like when I sit down to write a script, it's a one day, maybe two day thing. And then like that script is done. I'll go back and edit it. We'll I'll go back and forth with the editors and all that. But like, it's a very real thing at the end of the day that I can like close that document and say, all right, that's done. I did a thing today. <laughs> Whereas like graphic novels, it's like, all right, I, I sat down and I worked all day and I only have 150 more pages to do. <laughs> uh, well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, do you, is there a, uh, shop online shop or otherwise that you recommend people pick it up at in particular, or is it just getting anywhere fine books are sold? Um, it is, it is anywhere fine books are sold. You know, obviously your, your local comic shop, if you have one, they have access to, to order it. If you don't have a local comic shop, but you do have a local bookstore because it is, you know, a graphic novel, it is already available there as well. Um, so you can order it through them or, or pick it up off the shelf if they have it. Um, if not, you should definitely uh, tell them to get it. Awesome. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think if anything else needs plugging. Uh, just had uh, We just started season 10 of the uh, My Little Pony comic book series this last week. And then uh, right now, I think on pre-order is the uh, first issue of the uh, Marvel Action Chillers from IDW, which is the uh, you know all-ages Marvel horror comic that I'm writing starting in October. Cool. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to read that. Jeremy, thank you for so much for coming on the show. Love the yeah. book. Good luck with well, everything. Thank you. I hope you escape that con eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. Someday I'll get out of here. Con. All right. Thanks, <laughs> All right. Bye. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's yeah. That was Jeremy Whitley. Uh, the book is School for Extraterrestrial Girls, book one, Girl on Fire from Paper Cuts. And it's great. Go pick it up. It's really fun. There's some good character stuff. It's a good read. And if you're looking for a fun new property that doesn't go in directions you're expected, highly recommend that. Uh, now, we are, by the way, still waiting on Justin. He's probably stuck in that L.A. traffic. Is <laughs> I bet was Oh, man. Uh, classic. Um, but he should be here soon. Also, if you have a question... For either our guests or us, we'll get to your general questions later on in the show. On Crowdcast, you can drop them and ask a question on YouTube. Just drop in the comments. I'm keeping one eye on those. The uh, tube. On the tube. 
Uh, but hold on, I'm scanning back here. I'm gonna find our other guest. Tech is awesome. Here we go. <laughs> hold on. Tech okay. is awesome. Tech is awesome. All right, I'm gonna invite our second guest here into the show so we can chat with him. Uh, if everything goes smoothly, one of our favorite writers to talk to. We've had him on the show before. He's the creator of the new book, Commanders in Crisis. It's going to be out in October, but I believe you want to order it before September 21st. Uh, and he should be in any moment. Oh, here we go. Hey! Oh, hello. What up? How are you? Great to see you again. I'm great. Pete, your mic is loud as fucking the voice of God. I've been dying over here. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's, uh, yeah, as someone joked, Justin's mic will be just right. Mine's too loud. Alex is too mm-hmm. soft. What are you going to do? I it's, it's so much. I also see you're drinking a ginger ale there, so maybe I should also get a different beverage uh, for, this, for this appearance. Who's, who's drinking ginger ale? It's you. That's obviously what that is, right? It's a, it's a Pabst Wait. ginger ale, is it not? <laughs> Victory. Luckily, luckily, I'm in my all-purposes office. Get, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, you're allowed to drink on this virtual show. Is a thing. Yeah, uh, that sour yeah. monkey is good. Uh, Luana here says that sour monkey was. I, I stole it from her. I stole. I stole her beer. Steve, here's wow. a, whole, here's a whole bottle of Armagnac. Let's go. Wow, oh let's right. do it. Bring it on. All I've got is like this uh, Bell's. Hazy. Ooh. IPA it looks official. Nice. Cheers. Hey, we made it. It's August. I'm 35. You know, I can have one drink and go to bed now, so this is it. <laughs> All right. Uh, there we go. Uh, Steve, always awesome to talk to you. I'm very excited about this book. It seems wild. Commanders in Crisis, as we were mentioning, coming out in October. But you want people to probably like put in their orders with virtual or otherwise comic book shops by... September 21st, right? By September, well, listen, first of all, like, I'm not going to be an asshole about it. I, I want people to read the book. Um, if if I, I'm asked on social media sometimes what is the most sort of helpful way to purchase the thing, and yeah, I'm not going to lie. If you, if you pre-order, uh, that is what's most helpful, especially on an indie book like this uh, to creators, because really they, they live and die by the, uh, by the monthly sales. Uh, but that said, if you're a person that needs to do digital, you need to wait for the collected edition, um, I'm never going to say that you shouldn't go in the way that is most convenient for you. If I have to say, yeah, I mean, one is more helpful to us than others, but at the base, I'm just excited for the support. You know, I'm coming off six years at DC. Um, my opinions are now fully my own. I have hey, no- congrats. Yeah. I have no NDAs. Uh, and like, I'm just doing everything I want. Like that's been 2020 for me. I'm just like, I'm especially with commanders in crisis. Um, but with all my books, like, now that I'm just answering myself, like, I'm just going to do it. If there is something I want to do, I'm going to do it. And you're going to see that. You've already seen that in the first issue of Commanders of Crisis. Uh, you know, for people who like the, the sort of strange side of me and Martian Manhunter and Doom yeah, That was Show, fun. Like, that is this uh, with, like, a healthy dose of the 19, like, the Tom Rainey Stormwatch, which is the book kind of got me into comics. Which is to say, weird ideas, big ideas, uh, and sort of the the medium, the tasty medium we're using to deliver that to your brain is classic, big, explosive comic art. Cool. So talk about the initial idea, because obviously the title has crisis in it, so it's riffing, riffing on a whole comic event thing, but it's an event almost in its own comic in a certain way. What was the initial germ of the idea? Where did it come from? 
I mean, hey, man, six years in D.C., if they don't give you a crisis, you got to give one. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're handing their shits out like candy. And I finally realized I should just make my own. Uh, no. So uh, it, it is I wanted the scale and I wanted the sort of big idea like this uh, of, of an event book, you know, like something like Final Crisis, something like, uh, well, Crisis and Infinite Earths. Uh, also not to just be D.C., but like Hickman, uh, Hickman Secret Wars with Ribic. Um I love those I, those books where everything is on the line, but also I feel like we're starting a new team and focusing on the, this, these five characters, we can not make it uh, impenetrable. We see the luxury of focusing down, and yeah, there's huge stakes. We get to do multiverse shit, which is my favorite shit and my boyfriend's least favorite shit. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, that's why the door's closed to my office when I talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I want to do this big storytelling, but also use it as a way to introduce you to these characters that you're going to love. And really, like, that is what events do, right? Like, you know, you got Jaime Reyes out of Infinite Crisis. You got, mm-hmm. hypothetically, uh, future heavy hitters like uh, like the second Wildcat, the second Doctor Midnight out of uh, Crisis and Infinite Earths. That didn't necessarily work out, but that was the plan. Um, so, you know... It is, I'm doing, when I got off contract, I just want to do the big storytelling that I think is hopefully what I'm known for uh, and and with less rules than ever before. So, you know, for people who were shocked that we had to like flex mentality of everyone orgasms in Milk Wars, um, we can do better. I can do bolder. And hey, that scene made it on the TV and Jordan and I got paid again for that, so. Wow. Did you get paid? You got paid for the Doom Patrol orgasm scene? We, you know, uh, Flex Mattel making everybody come was Jordan and I innovating that. So uh, really happy to be part of history. That's Congrats. Amazing. That's Congrats. Fantastic. So the interesting thing about this project, though, is when you are doing something like one of those big Marvel or DC crossovers, you have the raw material to work with, right? Like you have oh, Spider-Man is here and we're going to move him to this point, or Superman is doing this, and we've got to get him from point A to point B so that we do these spinoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the thing that's going to happen over the course of this crossover. But with this, you're creating it a whole cloth out of nothing, including the superheroes and the groundwork of the universe and everything else. So what was that heavy lift like for you? Where, where did you start in terms of constructing this universe? Um, I mean, it's all about the team dynamics. The, the powers are sort of things that I've been toying with for a long time, so I, I finally found a place to use them. They're either things that I thought were sort of underutilized, people hadn't thought about in the way that the, they could before in other books. You know, like uh, Frontier is sort of 50% Flash Gordon, slab Buck Rogers type of 50% Forge. Like, I've always thought Forge's powers are fascinating, the idea that he can innovate things, but he's not actually super intelligent. It's intuitive. So he kind of has to figure out what he's done after he's done it. Uh, and I took a character like Sawbo- like Sawbones, and I've always been fascinated. What's up, man? Yo. Hey, uh, Justin. No shears this time, Justin? I didn't want to. That was scary last time. <laughs> I, I scared our last guest last week with uh, some horrifying shears when I signed on. Uh, well, nothing can frighten me. Okay, that's a dare. That's a real dare, Steve. Uh, I mean, maybe if you had Zdarsky on, but otherwise, probably nothing. <laughs> hey, welcome him into the stream. But uh, yeah, no, I, I wanted like it's all about the team dynamics. And when you see the revelation in the first issue, uh, which you know I, the book is heavily inspired by Thunderbolt, so I was like, we need to do a we need to do a rug pull in issue one. It was like 
we just want to make people that are all like fighting for the same goal, but that doesn't mean they have to get along. You know, that doesn't mean they have to necessarily want to get there the same way. And we blow that up pretty quickly. Once you see who the murder victim is in issue one, uh, because it's sort of like, I mean, we, we, we put in solicits, the whole thing about commandments crisis is, you know, it's a murder mystery. It's an event. Uh, but the murder victim isn't, it's not Orion, like in final crisis. It's an idea. It's, it's empathy. And without that thing that makes you care about other people, all the gel that is holding together society and holding the team together starts to fall away as the book goes on and on. Uh, and so maybe those character tensions that we built in that would never bubble to the surface normally, well, they're coming right at the top uh, because that thing that holds you back from saying what maybe you want to say or, or doing what is most selfish but the most self-beneficial, it's gone now. So um we wanted to have like the big event storytelling but make it more personal than ever because i think that that is sort of what is sometimes lost from event books like we as comic book fans are used to for lack of a better term like grant morrison speak uh but when i'm sitting down with my with like my partner or something and i'm like well you know like this cup is full of all of human ambition and someone just stepped on it (laughs) and superman put it back in there by doing a sonnet, you know, uh, a super sonnet or something. And like, you know, I get off and mention it all the time, but I'm a weirdo. So like you need an in there for everyday readers, uh, you know, and I'm like, at the end of Final Crisis, he beat Darkseid with a song. And he's like, <laughs> going to the store. All right. So, we didn't want to balance it all. You know, we wanted to do huge storytelling, but get you on board and, and care about these characters. And to do that, it's, it's less they're like superheroes trap trappings and more who they are, who they were at their core and where they're going. So that's how I always approach these things. Since I feel you, like with so much of the, of your work, you're diving deep into continuity and unearthing all these like great surprises and everything. When you're doing something new, do you feel like, do you, ex, do you create your own continuity and then mine it? Or are you just like, all right, starting at zero, let's get weird. Uh, well, it's sort of, it's sort it sort of is the same thing, right? Because like when I, I'm trying to create the effect I had when I first came to love comics. And, you know, the first book I bought was like part three of Rock of Ages, uh, you know, in, in the late 90s Justice League. And, yeah, I didn't know who the fuck everyone was. I didn't know necessarily everything that happened before, but I didn't want to know. Like, I, I knew that there was a lot more out there for me to explore. Um, and so with Commanders in Crisis and basically all my superhero stuff that is out of Marvel or DC is going to live in this world now. Uh, the hope is that, yeah, we can, we are acting as if there's a lot more there. Uh, the difference is it's going to be rolled out right at the pace of all of when other readers want it, uh, as opposed to just being waiting there because yeah, we don't have 80 years of con of, of continuity or things like that, but we do want you to immediately feel like you're stepping into a much bigger world that's lived in. And then just as soon as you want to see who these characters are, find out more about them. Boom. We, we, we come in with a spinoff, we come in with a one shot, something to give you exactly what you need when you want it. So you're already kind of looking at this as the kickoff, uh, not to get too bold with it, but like a kickoff to a universe in a way, potentially. I Yeah, I mean, because I don't think that I love the like interconnectedness and stories that build on stories. So I don't see a reason. I mean, I'm, obviously I say this now and in a year I'll probably be kicking myself. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't, you know, why should I not tie my superhero stuff all together? Why should I not make it all additive and cumulative and sort of reward people that have been following me for a long time? You know, I've got great support with my uh, readers from when I was at DC if they're going to follow me into my independent work, I want that. To, I want to pay that forward, and, and part of that means giving them uh, that sort of narrative reward for their loyalty. So, if you're sticking with me, uh, 
If you're sticking with me, sorry about that. I'm a fool and don't know how to mute things. Uh, then yeah, you should get something back for that. And what I can do is make sure that if you're investing in my capes work outside of the big two, which is a big investment, uh, then yeah, there should be a build. It should always be growing on itself. And if we're taking you into this world, then yeah, we want it to all be something that is sort of growing out around you rather than a bunch of starts and stops because people should get rewarded for following us and taking a risk on us, which is really what you're doing when you're stepping outside of the stuff we've done at the big two, in my opinion. Cool. So the plot, as you mentioned earlier, is the death of empathy. I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but is that at all inspired by current events? I mean, it's a a pandemic, man. And what's going on in the world? I haven't left. (laughs) No, I look, it, it is, but I, I, I don't think, I mean, of course it is. Uh, it, it's almost impossible to even do something that comment on, on the current world because something that was satire two months ago is just what's happening uh, by the time a book comes out. So, and, and it's something I talk about all the time. You know, I put something in the book that is trying to get pushed through the House and the Senate, uh, which, again, to me is sort of my... Everything I, you know, <laughs> everything in life is an homage. And yeah, I, I loved I love things like the Mute Registration Act and things like that. I love I love when we sort of blend the real and and the, and the fictional. But you know, by the time the book comes out, who knows if that's even going to work as something that's lovely satirical. Yeah. Uh, so so it is. But to be clear, uh, I don't think there was a time in my life when we couldn't care about each other more. So it, it's not as if this wouldn't be an idea on my mind. Uh, you know, hypothetically 10 years ago where I'd have a career then. Uh, but it certainly is in the front of my mind now as we really see, even outside of the political climate, to be caught in this pandemic where, like, we can't even be bothered to wear a fucking mask to make sure that people around us are not dying. So it, it, it's not fiction to say that we're in a crisis of compassion right now. And maybe it should have been called crisis of compassion. But there are- <laughs> But then I wouldn't be dunking on Tom, which also wasn't important at the time. It was actually the consonants because I'm a weird English nerd and I just like <laughs> I just like the consonants or so I tell him every time he texts me. We <laughs> uh, got a question here over on YouTube from a guy named John Dorsey says, what's the work you are most proud of? Ooh, ooh. This is for Steve, by the way. Not Chester. <laughs> oh, OK. All right. Sure, sure. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you should all answer. Um <laughs> I mean, right now, if stuff that's out, it's unquestionably Martian Manhunter. Um, I don't that's think that I can great. do. I don't think I can do a better DC book. Um, <clears throat> right now, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's one of the reasons I'm happy that I stepped away for a little minute there because I sort of like for me. And to answer Cyclops sucks eggs. That's crying Roy Batty, by the way, as I watch the comments on the side. Behind. <laughs> um, no, I. <laughs> I'm so proud of that book, you know, and, and from start to finish, it'll be hard to find something that is more fulfilling than that. Like, yeah, I, we, Riley and I campaigned for that book. We got it approved. We put three years of our life into it. And from page one to page the end, because I don't remember how many pages it is, <laughs> the writer, uh, from issue one to issue 12, it is everything we wanted it to be with almost no compromise. We have one panel of compromise, and that's because of the bat dick. They made us put uh, some underwear on shadowy nude John Jones, human form, in, in the first in the first issue. But you know what? For everything <laughs> we got, we got Martian birth, we got Martian sex, we got so much stuff. I'm not going to complain about some 
underwear, um, you know, in one panel. Like, I'm so proud of that. And even in the collected edition, we did shit that I don't see a lot of other people doing that was important to me. You know, that book we had uh, wouldn't have been what it was without editorial. And it was important to me when we do the roundtable discussion at the end where we interviewed each other, which is something that Riley and I pitched. Uh, that we include editorial. Like, they're part of the collaborative. They're part of the creative team. And so, yeah, Dave Wilgos, uh, Chris Conroy, editors who, like, shepherded the book, especially Dave Wilgos, they're included in that trade, and that's really fucking important to me. So, like, as a holistic item, a story, and a, uh, an artifact, I don't know what I could do to be better at DC, to be honest, at least right now. So I'm incredibly proud of that. Um, but that said, uh, stuff coming up, it's hard not to vomit from the mouth about Commanders in Crisis because I am so freed and excited about it. Uh, but also as an OGN, like Kill a Man, which I'm doing at Aftershock, uh, when I said that to Tynan, he said it's the best thing I've ever done, better than Martian Manhunter. And Tynan, like, physically can't tell a lie. It's just part of his... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Kill a Man is probably the most personal story I've ever done. It's about an angry queer man. I've never met one of those. It's certainly not me. So, um, I can't wait for everyone to see that and, and that's probably going to be the top of my list for a long fucking time because like I, I mean it, and it's unique I'm writing it with Phil Kennedy Johnson and uh, one of the few collabs I've had where we'll be passing script back and forth and we'll be texting each other like fuck man this is good like it's not to say that we become like lackadaisical about things but sometimes you get so wrapped up in the implementation that you don't always sit back and you're like oh this shit is really fucking wild and good so I can't wait for everyone to see that as well. Hopefully also out in October. You know, you always think, oh, or I, I think the fans always think, that whenever anybody leaves a publisher to go do their own stuff, they're kind of leaving a lot. But it seems pretty clear to me, based on what you're saying, that it's more about you said what you needed to say at DC and are now telling other stories that you're clearly very excited about and really want to tell. Is that, is that more, is that right? Well, look, the thing is, so, I mean, oh, I absolutely, I mean, I'm not done, done, you know, like I'm not done, <laughs> DC, but I do, did want to take time to do things that weren't that, I guess is the answer, because you can't, you know, it's not the seventies anymore. It's not like Kirby is coming, you know, like if you spend, if you, if you become too strongly identified with one place or another it, it's just not healthy for anyone. They start to take you for granted. Um, and, and eventually if you ever do need to leave, if you're there too long, it's like, Oh, well, you know, Steve only works at DC. So you're, yeah. you sort of become like symbiotic with that. So look, uh, yeah, like Martian Manhunter, I think is the best book I could ever do there in my current headspace. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gone either. You know, I'll be doing a dark multiverse one shot that hasn't been solicited yet. Um, mm. other stuff that is super exciting. I'm just waiting on the contracts for that, but it is like, it was time for me to have the freedom to have books where I don't have to answer. And rightfully so, by the way, uh, to the needs of like a billion dollar IP. This is, that is not a complaint, but the rules are different when you're writing Wonderman or Batman, uh, than when you're doing your own stuff, you, you know, like none of my characters, God help me, are going to be on lunch boxes. So if I want to show their fucking dick on it, uh, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, it's a badass kid that shows up for school with a lunchbox with a dick on it. And oh, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you mentioned this online. Commanders in Crisis is also going to be pretty uh, pretty sexy, right? Like, 
when it, you're, you're I mean, when it fits, you know, like, like I don't know, like the I'm, I'm not just about like throwing penises around in my book just to like unsettle people in real life, maybe. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, like like when it fits, uh, because there's a lot of character that is told through, through sexual interaction as well when it's done right. When it's done wrong, it's just like a star's original series. But uh, when it's. <laughs> wow! Shots fired. Yeah, Valley. I went through three, two or three seasons of Boss, which is a great show. Except when I had to see Kelsey Grammer fucking, and I was just like, "Can we just move on?" Like Frazier fucking is what we've all been waiting for uh, uh, for a generation. I'm sorry, he doesn't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. I'm <laughs> I, well, I do. Uh, so like yeah it's gonna be there uh but at the same time like it it has to make sense and for the for the characters you know and it has to give you the right dynamic because i I, we're not just there to be exploitative uh we're there to be subversive i guess not exploitative so yeah i mean we're gonna do that and we're gonna go inside people's bodies in all sorts of ways i promise you I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense. Like with Martian Manhunter, I feel like you got to just blow out that world and create so much around this uh, popular character that maybe is only in a group shot on a lunchbox and not on a lunchbox of his own. Um, And then to jump right into your own book where you do create the world whole cloth. Uh, But it makes me curious outside of um, random work, what would then pull you back into like, all right, I'm ready to speak to this character that's had hundreds and thousands of stories already told about them. I mean, offer me a one shot with characters that I never got to write because they were out of continuity for the six years I was in DC comics. Um, watch the December solicits. Ooh. Uh, love yeah. that. I mean, yeah, the, there's, there are things, you know, uh, and, and one of them is that, you know, the, they came, the, the editorial team from Martian Manhunter came to me and I can't talk about what it is, but I mean, I'm doing it. It's a dark multiverse one shot and yeah, you know, what could bring me back? Well, a lot of stuff that I wasn't allowed to do because they were off the table when I happened to be there, for example, um, or, you know, or, or a challenge. I like a challenge, mm. so, like the dark multiverse one shots have a lot of rules and, and I wanted to work within them, but I also think that in some cases, like you can do the dark multiverse and a lot of people think it just means dark and oppressive and edgy. And I think you can do that, but still find a story that does have some hope in it without breaking the rules. So I did look at it as a challenge as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite like catastrophic failures, uh, of a movie is Titus. Uh, so like, I know how to tell a really gory catastrophe. Uh, and, and that's what you're going to be getting from me in, 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 uh, in December, but not in the way you expect. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah. But that's how you get me back. You offer me something, uh, that is exciting and there's so much that's exciting at DC still. Um, so, so, you know, I'm sure I'll be there more. And once the world comes back, I, I, I hope to lean in at Marvel as well, because we had Darkhold, uh, teed up. And man, that stuff is wild. Uh, yeah. Like, and and I'm hoping, like, I can't break any news because I don't have any news. But uh, it's not, uh, it's not unpaused, but it's also not in the bin. So we're hoping that we can get that back in front of you guys as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, have you been finding? Uh, we've heard this from a couple of creators as we've been talking to them over the past couple of months. But have you been finding with the pandemic, you've been able to get ahead a little bit on Commanders in Crisis, or is it just on pace for with where it normally is? Uh, I mean, we are super ahead, but I think that's just because I'm always on time. 
you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I've, I've only missed one deadline in my, let's say, six-year career. So um, what I've found is that there has been – so, I mean, I live in Boston. You guys are in New York. You're aware that rent is uh, a thing. So, rent is too damn high. I love that motherfucker. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Albany when he the was white gloves. I would I would watch that shit anyway. So uh, I love that he can bring anything around, usually with a rhyme. To the yeah. rent to the rent is too damn high. Yeah, <laughs> like I just want to see him like at a Starbucks, being like, you know, I would like some pie, and I have to say the rent is too damn high. <laughs> <laughs> um, God rest you, buddy. But um, yeah. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, so like I hustled my ass off, you know, like when 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 I, when when the pandemic hit, I was like, fuck, I need to sell some books. And so I spent a month and a half doing that. And then July hit and I was like, fuck, I have to write these books. So um, I wouldn't say that I'm ahead. I mean, I'm also never behind because I never have been. Uh, but I have been crazy productive. Uh, like there's going to be shit coming out that you would never expect from me. Probably mostly next year because a lot of it is OGN stuff and that and that gets scheduled further out. But yeah, like what I've been telling everybody, and it's probably different from what other people say. Like since stepping away from the like the, the needs of having like a legal department and things like that at DC, I've probably been working three times as much, um, oh. but I'm a third as stressed. Oh, uh, oh congrats! Oh, nice. That's yeah. amazing. Oh. Uh, and that's very, very nice. So yeah, there's going to be, look, I mean, again, without saying exactly what they are, I'm doing a book that is basically like Kurt Swan meets Neon Genesis Evangelion. I'm doing, uh, all ages, uh, excuse me, a middle grade fantasy book, which I've never done. I'm doing my friend Steve Fox because it's like physically impossible for me not to use swear words. So I need, uh, I need him on that. Uh, He also (laughs) used to be at random house. So like we're getting the best out of each other. Uh, and I are doing a gay horror book that is also like very, very like, if you want to talk about some subversive nudity, I promise you that will be this book. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a book that is, uh, I'm doing a, um, I'm doing something we haven't said what, but I'm doing something with TKO. I'm doing something with heavy metal. Like I'm all over and it's been great. Not to mention another book with image. Uh, we hope if not a couple. So yeah, I've been working my ass off, but also like, it's a hustle and I do find it kind of feel like a perpetual motion machine, but it's all good. You know, it's never like, Oh, like everybody on this team, editorial included, loved this story, but then it hit legal and they were like, no bad dick. And this, I, you know, I, this is just a good example. I, I, I'm trying to get off the bad dick, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right trying there. to get off the bad dick, like a batarang. It keeps coming back. <laughs> it's bent a little bit too. Uh. You know, I was mentored by Steve Siegel from Man of Action, and in the yeah. mm-hmm. 22 years I've known him, the only argument I ever won, or he ever admitted that I would win, was about penises. <laughs> because I was just like, Siegel, this is like, you cannot argue, this is the only thing that I have more experience with you than you. <laughs> and, and he finally acquiesced, but it was a, it took like an hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> um, that's a long argument. And I'm curious to know what the uh, sort of the direction uh, of the argument was. It was literally about direction. And like, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it, quite literally, because he was like, well, well, welcome to this podcast. We were talking about which way they usually go. And he had the wrong answer. And I was just like, Siegel, like, this is like not even an issue. Like, you, the, like, 
this is my game here, folks. <laughs> uh, and and really, like, it was so hard for him to give up the ghost on that. But I did finally win. Um, and I still haven't won another argument with him since then. This was actually in the middle of Denver, Colorado, at a place I can't rem- remember the name of, but I could only be described as like a, a racist Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you could just say Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was... Hey. If, the the racist part of Chuck E. Cheese is the cheese underneath the stage where you can wander around. That's hey, where it's it real racist. Not Dan, every Chuck E. Cheese is racist. Come on, man. I wish that I could remember the name of it. People who live in Denver, like when I was at the show, I would. I, it was it was so ubiquitous there that I would at the con the next day because Siegel was also tabling next to me. I would be like, you know, everyone how's your con going? And I would be like, well, last night one of my best friends took me to this restaurant. He said, you can't say no. Uh, we have to go, but it will be one of the worst experiences of your life. And with that lead in, 90% of people from Denver guessed the name of this restaurant. Sadly, that wow. I can't remember. Actually, you know what? I have a picture of Siegel added on my phone. So, Well, let me say, I just Googled uh, racist Chuck E. Cheese, and that seems to be a national thing, so it's hard <laughs> to find the Denver-specific version of that. There's South of the Border, which is a shockingly horrific... Very familiar with that. We would yeah, stop oh. there driving down to Disney World when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, man. And you can always tell the state of the economy by how many billboards for South of the Border there are. Because when we were younger, it were a lot. And then they really faded off during the recession. And now I think it's, they're gone. Yeah. So, sadly, the name of this place isn't even on the sign. Uh, But you know it's good because you must pre-purchase dinner before you enter. Oh. Before you enter, wow. yeah. um, it does have a hilarious you puppet get show. Your money first. It does have a hilarious puppet show and indoor cliff divers. Anyway, uh, it seems like a fever dream. That, we do have another question for you over here on YouTube. <laughs> uh, any chance of going back to the Authority Universe? Love your take on Midnighter. I appreciate it, and and I always want to give people the truth. Uh, it's pretty unlikely in the short term. Uh, just be, I mean, look, I love. Paul and Midnight, I owe them a lot, but on the top yeah. of it, I feel like I've said my piece. I do kind of feel like I've said my piece. Um, and I'm also sort of stepping away from BC, uh, at least mainstream stuff, for a while. So I would love to go back uh, broadly, like in the far future. But right now, like, I sort of, I want to see what other people would do with those characters. And, and, and with that in mind, you might be seeing it sooner than you think. Uh, but not for me, though, from a very exciting team. Uh, so, yeah, I would love to. Uh, I mean, Jenny Sparks and the Jennies are some of my favorite characters, uh, and I never got to work with them. So, yeah, I have that itch. Uh, but I'm going to be going a bunch of other places first, probably. But I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm 35. I'm not dead in gay years. That's 78. But I still got to go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, again, Commanders in Crisis comes out in October. You should order it soon, though. It uh, looks awesome and wild, and I think it's going to do great. Um, anywhere in particular you want people to order it, just to tell their local comic book shop? Yeah, I mean, if you follow me on social media, we're making it really easy. I have order forms that you can just print out and hand in anywhere. Yes! Uh-huh. Kevin, it was Casa Bonita. That's Casa Bonita. Casa Bonita. That place is a hellhole. You're not going to be doing their comic. Uh, Casa Bonita, yo, I don't even want to listen. You should guys should just find a way to look at video from some of their performances. Their indoor cliff diving, their quote unquote live gorilla show, which is just a poor motherfucker in a gorilla suit. It, oh man, 
It's wild. It's Wait, how did you get there? How did you end up there? Steven T. Siegel, who, again, I owe my career to, is from Denver. So he basically was like, Orlando, get in the car. I'm not going to tell you where we're going, and you have no choice. <laughs> yeah. And He's like, I'm going to ruin your life, dude. And I made you. I'm going to break you. That's very normal <laughs> for him. So I was just kind of like, let's go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so you can print out uh, the, the order form, hand it in, send, you know, you can, you can digitally fill it out and send it to a store. Um, but basically however you want to order it, uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. Hey, I'm doing uh, incentives where I make fun of myself, which you might've seen. So for over 40 K I'm going to do a Twitter poll. Uh, you can pick the idiot pose that I will have uh, a photo shoot done in and it will be an actual order orderable cover of the book. And for over 60 K I will take my shirt off for the cover. So uh, yeah. what else is, although fucking Kevin Wadden today being like, I'm doing a live stream where I draw with no shirt on motherfucker. What am I going to have to do right in the nude? Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The stakes keep getting higher. You got to evolve. I, and for a hundred K and of course, like the, our, my, my partners on it, Arantia, uh, which is Mirka and Dufa and Dolfo's studio, uh, wet firsthand up guy. When did Wadden get so cut? Trust me, girl. He's always been cut. I've paid him for years. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> But they're from Italy, so they were like, yes, Steve, but you do with a nude for 100 now. I was like, no, I'm not going to fucking do that. Like, however, if I did, it would be just like Shawn Michaels' accidentally play, uh, accidental playgirl shoot from the 90s. Ah. Uh, there we go. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So there you go. Go to Casa Bonita and Steve <laughs> will be nude a la Shawn Michaels is what I'm getting here. You know, diving. although he has like 80% more chest hair than me. So, you know, <laughs> I've done it. Good percentage. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always great talking to you. Congratulations. Great on seeing you. It is out. a pleasure as always. All great right. to see you. Thanks. Uh, awesome. Oh, Steve. Steve what? Come on. Come on. That Come guy's on. great. Hey, yeah, Pete, I like this half Terminator look you're going for. <laughs> yeah. Here. Thanks, man. Today's been a nightmare. Why is this? How is it a night? How is this the result of a bad day? Uh, I'm just trying to get this fucking mic stand to work, and uh, you know, it's, it's been fun. Wow! And he decided to go with Phantom of the Opera. Is basically what happened. Yeah, it's good. You look Glorious. like you're at, you look like you're at an optometry exam right now. The gloriously <laughs> restored Pantages Theater. Yeah, by Phantom by phone. We were lived in the same advertising region. Yep. Uh, all right, folks. That was it for our guests. Definitely check out uh, both of their books. And we are going to move on uh, with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up at your audience questions. For your audience questions, all you have to do, if you're on Crowdcast, you'll see a bunch of people have already done this, drop Ask a Question in Ask a Question, and we'll get to that. If you're over on YouTube, just drop in the comments. Keep an eye on those. And also, if you're on YouTube, give us a little uh, thumbs up there. Come on, the tube. Da, Come on, the tube. Oh, I should do a little lower. Da, da, da. I can't do that. Uh, anyway, here we go with questions. Let's. Oh, we Wait, uh, we got to talk about what we're drinking, right? Yeah, we kind of touched on it already, Justin, before you got here. Don't worry, I don't need to take much time out. to say that I'm drinking Miller Lite. Yeah, Justin, <laughs> we we switch places. I'm drinking like a more uh, high palate type of uh, beer, and you're Ooh. drinking what I normally drink. I know. I'm on a different. I'm in a different time zone, a different place. Shit's all backwards. 
Man, when you go to L.A., though, that's the beer you got to get. That's what everybody's Exactly. Oh, yeah. And since I flew on a plane and exposed myself to who knows how many virus pieces, I definitely want to challenge my taste buds with a little Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Uh, great stuff. As mentioned earlier, I'm having a hazy IPA from Bell's. And uh, uh, as mentioned, I stole my girlfriend's beer, and it's Victory Sour Monkey Sour Triple. And oh, I uh, forgot. Uh, uh, Zalvin's flexing all day today. All I he lo- does I is love, flex. I all he his, does is flex. What's his flat brim hat look? I mean, you could flex, but it's that's. And let me say, Alex, it's officially not a flex. Whatever you just did there is not a flex. <laughs> that is the opposite of a flex. Is putting my hat on top of the brim of my glasses. Uh, all right, here we go. This is from Ben, the Border Collie. Apologies for the heavy question, but a friend and I were recently discussing this. Which superhero would make for the best sex toy? It's Juggernaut, right, Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Alex called out and, uh, I guess, what do you say, Alex? Yes or no? Uh, Juggernaut? Wait, sex toy? Uh, What are we talking about? Like, literally, which which superhero would... I think would it's you a, want to have sex a with does their organ. Is that what we're talking about? I would about? think it would be some sort of like uh, anatomically correct sex doll, um, or uh, or it could be a sex toy themed after that, like a juggernaut uh, dildo would be great. So I got to tell you, uh, this is this kind of ties into our stack podcast because we're going to be talking about Maestro Number One on that mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check that out uh, if you read the book where he came from future imperfect there is a scene that has stuck with me for years that was so disturbing when i read it as a kid where the idea is is the intelligent hulk is the bruce banner who's like he's wearing the shirt where he has the v all the way down to his uh navel uh he gets sucked to the future captured by the maestro is the crazed despotic future version of him breaks his back and uh, mm. holds him his bed. So most of the book, or most of the middle of the book, our Hulk is there, unable to move in a bed, being tortured psychologically and physically by the maestro. Alex, real quick, did you understand this question when you? <laughs> I get it there. No, I, this is there's a long way to get there. Uh, but this is horrifying. It, so what happens, which is horrifying, is that like. Uh, the main way he tortures her, he's like, you know what I'm going to do is you're in love with Betty. I'm going to fuck that up for you. And he has one of his concubines go and essentially rape the Hulk oh. while he's lying there. And it cuts away from the scene. And you just see outside the palace, the Hulk screaming. And I, beyond being like a horrific, disturbing, awful, horrifying scene to read. My main takeaway is like, uh, like very young teen reading this was like, he's got to be huge how did he not rip her in half what is uh, going on so alex, i guess my point is alex the hulk would be a bad alex. sex toy and in the same way the juggernaut would be a bad sex toy uh yeah. boy alex i gotta say that was my the oh there he goes i was a, my favorite answer to that question i could have ever imagined um and now you're he's hiding in shame his image um <laughs> uh, I will say the comments on this when this question was asked were huge. Uh, were uh, more comments than I've seen, and Alex really made gave us all something to think about. Oh, man. Um, I also liked uh, Luana's interpretation of the question: which actual superhero shape would make for the best sex toy? That's what uh, I thought it was initially. Not like you were making a sex toy out of them, but like Plastic Man 
is stretchy and easy to clean, says I hate Wolverine. That is a uh, good suggestion, I think. Nice. Um, I guess the the Falnix, the Falnix Covenant. I'm going to make a little Falnix Covenant of my own. Oh. Oh. I mean, yeah, the only thing I got is Wolverine because he's the best at uh, what he does, you know? This may be, uh, I would test that theory. Uh, (laughs) You don't know where a claw is going to pop out. Uh, I think it's a dangerous... What about, I mean, the Punisher is a very good name for a sex toy, right, Pete? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. <laughs> sure. He's just out for a little revenge on your body. Uh, oh, speaking boy. of I hate Wolverine, here's a question from him. Considering the state and life expectancy of an MCU villain, how long, if at all, do you think it will take before they do a Masters of Evil supervillain team-up movie? Oh, wow. I thought, I will just say, I thought that's what we were going to get years before it happened in Avengers Endgame. Like, I thought that's what we were heading towards. Obviously, that's not what happened at all. Um, But I don't know. I would love to see that. Like, I'd love to see a good villain team. Uh, I do, too. But how would that movie work? Like, what what would be the... Because I, I do think it'd be hard to, like, well, who are you rooting for in that? How would it happen? Would it be a hero going undercover in the villain group and it's all about what they do? Like, I could see that, but how else would it, ha- would it work? They could do a Thunderbolts movie, potentially. You throw that would be great. Oh, yeah. Uh, when do you do the reveal, though? You got to do it early. Yeah. Into the movie. Right at the end of the movie. You think they're heroes. And then yeah. They're and then just right at the oh, end. Yeah. Man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah that's at the end they're like gotcha your 20 dollars is ours <laughs> go home and don't tell anybody uh yeah edward Doherty says dark avengers that would be another fun one i think um but uh here we go i love cyclops in the dc universe what city has the best pizza and what cities argue about their pizza being best this is great this is a great question um obviously new york pizza yeah. Uh, Chicago. I got it. Sure. Uh, California Pizza Kitchen. Going to try it out while I'm here. I got to say. No, don't do it, bro. No. Well, there are California pizza kitchens all across the country, but back I here, know. it's where it's really legit. Is it just. Oh. Pecan? Oh, shit. I assumed it was me that froze. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Is it just called Pizza Kitchen there? Because you can't go here and ask for a Philly cheesesteak. You just ask for a cheesesteak. Nice. Oh, don't you just great. say, hey, Pete, why don't they make the uh, whole airplane out of the black box? You know? <laughs> cool. All right. We're all reading. Why off, don't they? We're all reading off popsicle sticks. Uh, yeah. Joke wise here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Bloodhaven has the best pizza. Wow. Oh, interesting choice. Why do you say that? Um, uh, Bloodhaven as the more authentic, I always consider it sort of the Brooklyn of Gotham City, and that's going to be where the best pizza is. Well, Burnside. Huh. Burnside is the Brooklyn of Gotham City. No, Bur- Burnside's the Williamsburg. Oh, okay. Ooh, wow, you guys. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, my first, you back girl, my first motherfuck. Thought, <laughs> my first thought, and I don't know if this is correct, but I was going to say Keystone City, but then the more that I thought about it, like, they're probably the ones that have really good sandwiches. They have, like, a very specific sandwich where they call the beat the wrong thing. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And uh, Metropolis pizza, like, is just sucks. It's got like ketchup on it or some <laughs> dumb shit. Or it's like a, it's like a pill you take, uh, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also thought, Justin, you were going to say Star City, maybe, and that definitely, their pizza also is just probably very nice and fancy, but not really pizza. They're probably mm. known for, like, their uh, clam linguine or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Opal City, same kind of thing, like, known for, uh, I don't know, some sort of unrelated uh, pasta dish. Uh uh, Coast City is known for their nice, very thin crust pizza because it's been smashed flat. Wow. I don't know. Not necessary. Burn. Uh, yeah, really. Specifically for, <laughs> for you, uh, from uh, Steve. Oh, I don't know if this question for somebody earlier. What's a normal workday, Jay? Explain the concept to me. Uh, workday for who? I don't know. That's, oh, this is probably for Jace Dennison in the comments here. Probably mentioned something about a normal work day. Um, never mind. We missed it. Maybe we'll come back to it later. Uh, here we go. Straight Bullet says, since Cyclops is such a terrible team leader, who's your favorite X-Men team leader or who is your favorite team leader from any hero team? It's a great question and a great point. Thanks, Straight Bullet. What do you what do you mean? He's not. Why is he such a bad leader? Why is any every every superhero team leader fucks up and gets them in a bad situation? That's literally the point of comics. It's like, oh, oh this this point of comics. This this are you saying Captain America like bats a thousand when it comes to leading the Avengers? He's just like, oh, shit, I didn't see this. I didn't see this. Mostly. Captain America is like. I'm going to step back a little bit, let Iron Man and Thor really fuck things up a lot in a really big way, and then I'm going to come in and give a very inspirational speech and just be like, you're great. Good job, Cap. Yeah. But he only looks good in comparison to Iron Man and Thor fucking up. Great call. Uh, I'm going to say for Edmund Storm. I always like Storm. Yeah, Storm's. I thought she was really good, and I would love to see more of her going forward. Personally. Yeah, I like the Storm, uh, the earlier era. I feel like in the, I don't know, remember exactly when, but more recently she's led, and it was a little, like, uh, felt a little off to me, felt a little distant. Uh, when the whole, what I loved about the, sort of the Morlock storyline stuff that Storm was leading is you were in her head so much, and you felt her really being like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, but I'm in charge, so let's see what happens. We got a good answer here over on YouTube. Lion Man says the unbeatable squirrel girl. Oh, yeah. Mm. In the book in particular, she was a great leader. Super fun. So good call. I like that. I mean, I can't believe you didn't say Kitty Pride, Alex. I don't like her as a leader. Oh. I I don't. Like, Marauders is super fun, but I think Kitty Pride is great as part of a team. She's great in solo adventures. Um, but I'd rather see any, somebody else in a leading capacity, personally. Wow. There you go. Selling her down the river. Just can't, uh, give, her, Kevin, can't give her that power. Uh, ooh, and uh, Justin, I, don't, I think you might have missed this part of the podcast, but now that Flex Mentala's big moment has come to TV, what's another scene or even just a specific image from comics that you really want to see realized on screen? Uh, Kevin, was this a question maybe for Steve Orlando, possibly, uh, Justin, the thing was he wrote uh, Flex. Yes, I, I yes, I, I was here. I was here for the back end of that. Um, what about one where you see Spider-Man's uniform like in the garbage can? And he's, like, and he's like, he's mad about it. 
because he's like, I maybe I'm not cut out for this. What about one where you see like pearls uh, like falling to an alley floor? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Interesting, like in a funny way, like a comedic moment, because it's funny when a jewelry would break. Yeah, someone, yeah, yeah. Like in Home Alone, where you slip on something, it's like, whoa, these yeah. pearls. Yeah, yeah, pearls are slippery. Pearls. Uh, yeah, that would be great. Or like the Punisher, maybe like killing somebody. Mm, that would be wow. fun. <laughs> that's dark, Alex. Yeah, that is I weird, know, Alex. Say, yeah, that's to, weird, Alex. To realistically, I, like, I don't have a specific answer to this question, but I am uh, totally honestly, my mind is consistently boggled that there are still things to mind mine from comics mm-hmm. that I see things pop up. Like, spoiler about the season finale of Stargirl, but when Shiv pulled out the Eclipso diamond, I was like, yeah. oh shit, Eclipso? That's crazy. And that we're still, we're decades in on the whole superhero movie TV thing, and that there still are things that can surprise me. I think that's fun. I, I, that, I, that is exciting. To, if you want to go Stargirl, I would just say, like, feeding owls is important, and I would like to see that realized more. So you'd you like know? to see that famous comic book moment when an owl is fed a mouse, all, I'm assuming? I, yeah, I just, you know, I just think when owls are neglected... Or brought up and then not fucking mentioned again, and you know they talked about in a sad, lonely way. It's yeah. it's disheartening. Yeah, uh, I remember I saw that picture of you, Pete, which was really wonderful. You were at that Black Lives Matter rally, and you were holding <laughs> up a sign that said "Don't neglect owls." Yeah, and it was confusing and possibly awful, but I'm glad you stood up for what you believed in. You got to right. protest. You got to fight for the, the things that matter to you, I guess. Um, I'm going to say great answer in the comments from Edward Doherty, the iconic shot of the Punisher in the sewers as a Frankenstein, obviously no. something close to our hearts. Um, but here's one that I want to see, and it'd be hard to maybe get this right um, in the movie or TV world, but just a great shot of the silver surfer surfing in space. Like, yeah. I feel like we didn't get it in the past, uh, doesn't seem like there's a real Did path. Get it in Fantastic Four: <laughs> Rise of the Silver Surfer. I mean, you'd think no. he's in the he's in the title. There'd be one moment of the, the just a great. That surfing. movie was a Dodge commercial. Wow, it was. Yeah, it was an advertisement for Dodge vehicles mm. because the Fantastic Four spaceship had a huge Dodge symbol on it. it it's very upsetting. Uh, it's interesting what you remember from things like that. The main things that I remember from the Fantastic Four movies is that what they did in both movies, the middle of the movie is at least half an hour, if not 45 minutes, where the Fantastic Four are like, oh, man, we really need to stay inside now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, stay in one room. They got quarantined. Outside, quarantine ourselves. And in that way, those movies were very prescient, and I love them. All I remember from that movie is it didn't make any sense. You know, the movie? Mm-hmm. Sort of across mm-hmm. the board. Interesting. Uh, this is from Edward Doherty. What happened to the 5G publishing initiative at Disney Comics? Do you think the concept was promising? For those of you who don't know, the 5G concept was kind of a hyper time, everything was real idea where everything was going to become valid again. Like they were going to move back from the new 52 continuity and basically be like everything that ever happened has happened. And there are these five generations, hence the five G where Superman was in fact around in the 1930s 
Wonder Woman, I believe, is around in World War II. Uh, Batman came maybe somewhere between that. There was going to be a new Batman, so they're going to establish something that makes sense for the timeline of the world. Uh, that is probably never happening at this point due to a variety of reasons. Do you think that you see in other? Do you think that's the five G that many people, conspiracy theorists, think caused the coronavirus? Uh, I do think so, and I think eventually they're going to launch DC Comics LTE, and that's going to be come out much more quickly. Oh wow! Throw away that popsicle stick, Alex. Get back to get back to your <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, flexing, Alex. Straight has out of the day face, job, man. he gets free shit. Uh, Alex flex, flexes too much, and Pete, with you're behind a, a robot arm. You're not flexing enough. Oh, Let me just say that. You're so LA, bro. Hey, thanks, man. Look, I just got this sun on my face. Really yeah. enjoying this fresh, fresh quarantined air. Yeah, drinking a uh, diet beer because you're in LA. So, wait, what have. do you guys think? Uh, is 5G ever going to come out? And what did you think about the idea? Uh, I like, you know, if DC is going to have to do all these everything is true events, uh, crisis style events, like the idea of moving it forward rather than constantly looking backwards interested me. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. And it felt like just uh, a little bit of a mess um, when what they're doing now with um, with all the, uh, with the Scott Snyder stuff feels like. It's an idea-driven version of that where it's like, let's make a ton of fun, creative choices and see what happens. Yeah, uh, stop pushing your 5G agenda. I'm going to stick with dial-up. Cool. Shows. Uh, nice. Well, that makes sense because comics are selling 56K. Oh! from <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> if you were Pete's golf bag, would what would you be called? <laughs> be Caddy Daddy? What's going on here, Pete? I don't know what to tell you, man. She thinks it's hilarious that I have golf clubs. So, are you going to start playing some golf at Philly? Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, hopefully. You know, great, oh, great has answer. A golf bag that says "Caddy Daddy." That wasn't clear for the question. Yeah, Pete, she she wanted me to admit that. I don't know what's going on right now. This is a weird thing, but yeah, I have a carrying case. That for some reason is called Caddy Daddy, and she thinks that's hilarious. Mm. Caddy mommy in your life? <laughs> you are a real Caddy Daddy. And it's interesting that you're also now a Catty Daddy. Yeah, that, that, that is true. Yeah. Maybe that's why you saved it, Pete. Maybe that's yeah. a good answer no, to that question. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we got a real dark question here from First Hand Up Guy. Remember when Marvel had to lay a bunch of people off and Stan Lee was the only employee for a while? If DC keeps firing people, who will be the last employee left to run the company alone? I uh, think it'll be Jim Lee. Well, <laughs> I mean, there must be a Lee. There, there always must be a Lee. Lee. It always comes down to a Lee. I mean, the thing is, a lot of people lost their jobs, and that's awful in any circumstance. Um, we talked about this... Gosh, I, I don't even remember. I think it was on actually on our Patreon podcast a little bit, but uh, or maybe actually it was on the last week of the live show. Uh, just 
this is a Warner Brothers thing. Like Warner Brothers laid off hundreds of people from every division of the company. It is awful. It is terrible that so many people lost their job. That includes DC Comics, which is a subsidiary of Warner Media. Um, and they're going to reorganize. They're going to still release comics, but it's not like going anywhere. It's not, and I don't think it's necessarily specifically a DC Comics thing. So much it is a Warner Media AT and T thing. Um, and it, a lot of it, at least in terms of industry scuttlebutt has to do with, I know we've talked about this a lot of the po- various podcasts, uh, but the failure of HBO max, which has not performed nearly to the level that they wanted to. It hasn't Justin. I'm sorry. I know you're a real, <laughs> you hate it. It's so crazy. I'm not, I, I just think it's wild how much you are down on HBO max. Well, so there was, there was an article in the New York times that broke it down. And I think like pretty effectively where they were like, we have 30 million subscribers. And the fact of the matter is they have like three to 4 million subscribers when for budget levels, they wanted to be at that $30 million level at 30 million uh, users level. And that's not where they are at at all. So they're just burning money on this thing. And unfortunately, awfully things, people get fired because of that. And it's, yeah. So there you go. Um, here we go. Pablo Di Martinez says, two questions. What do you guys think of the firings of T.K. Cox and DC oh. Universe? Two, do you guys see DC Universe come to an end anytime soon? Uh, this was kind of a new thing that came out between uh, last week and this week. So Ghibli did give an interview off of the layoffs at DC where he talked to the Hollywood Reporter, and he very specifically said that the DC Universe originals are all going to HBO Max, and then beyond that, DC Universe is not going away. We're very excited about its future. There's a backlog of comics and some great content over there. So stay tuned for the next great iteration of DC Universe. So uh, what's your take on that? What do you think, if anything, the future of DC Universe is? I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like getting it back to the comic uh, model, the Marvel Unlimited model, I think is smart for them and the idea that a ton of people were going to flock there for these high budget TV shows and movies and stuff felt a little crazy to begin with felt very ambitious. Um, so I think it's fine and it would be great if they could just fold their film and television uh, DC universe division right into HBO max and make stuff for those three to 4 million faithful subscribers um, that we all know and love. Well, I mean, they do have, you know, some great stuff on there. They don't have a ton of great stuff, uh, but they do have some good stuff. You know, Doom Patrol, the uh, animated uh, series, Harley Quinn stuff is really great. So they have some hope and they have some bright spots. Um, but, you know, they just need some more content. And hopefully they'll get some time to add that and they won't have to make any moves until they can get kind of deeper. Yeah, I don't... Uh, somebody here in the comments, I just missed it. Uh, oh, I hate Wolverine said, shut it down entirely and just put the comics on HBO Max too. I don't see that happening because they look at HBO Max as just a streaming service, though it's a great idea. Um, I just don't know who's going to stick with DC Universe when it's just the comics and old episodes of DC Daily, you know, for which is unfortunate, but I don't see it has a lot of life in it beyond that stuff going to HBO Max. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they have to change the price structure and really make it something different. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, last question here from First Hand Up Guy Pete. Which caddy daddy makes the best <laughs> sex toy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Gotta go with three wood, right? The three wood? I would have said the driver, but all right, sure. Uh, driver, it's a little dinked up because you use it more, so, so oh, you can wow. catch on it. It's probably metal. Three wood are usually made of wood, a little more give. Wow, that's a lot of information about golf there, Justin. Uh, I got to say, Pete, you'll always be caddy daddy on this show from here on out. Oh, great, great. Thank you, Liwana. Well, folks, speaking of which, it is time for our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Caddy Daddy. (laughs) Caddy Daddy. (laughs) The official daddy of trivia is our man, Caddy Daddy. Ooh, uh, let's see, let's see. Daddy, what trivia are we doing today? Is it about Um, golf again? uh, So I see Joe Crack was technically first hand up. Um, So, and last uh, week, I know he was a little upset that we didn't pick him. So why don't we... You controversially did not pick him. I love Cyclops. I, I don't know what his tag is, but it's Joe Crack. No, wow. in the comments. It- yeah, I don't know what their tag. Whoops, sorry, my bad, my bad. Okay, I'm going to invite I Love Cyclops into the stream, and we're going to see what happens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Caddy Daddy's biggest test, making up for a mistake from last week. Uh, hey! Hey, hey, hey. There we go. Got the adorable Ewok behind you. Yep. And the adorable Scott Summers. Yeah, uh, yeah Scott Summers going drunk. I don't know. Le- that is. Leading, leading the rest of the action figures in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It well, seems like he's uh, not. Right, take it away, Pete. Let's get some uh, trivia. See if we can give away a gift card to Midtown Comics. Oh, sure, sure. I'll, we'll stop talking about it. It's cool background. All right. Uh, so today's trivia is on topical comic news. Um, I'm going to read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right, and you will get a gift tar- gift card to Midtown Comics online, because we don't want you going to the shop. Uh, still too dangerous, probably. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. and Question number one. Who is dead in the new Taskmaster series set for a November release? Is it A, Maria Hill, B, Agent Coulson, or is it C, Gerard Depardieu? So it's either A, and you'll be going down the right path, or you could pick B, and then your path isn't so good. Well, I hope it's not my father, the hero, so I'll go with Maria Hill. Wow. All right. Great call. Wow. Uh, Joe Crack attempting to do both quizzes at the same time. Very high difficulty level. I don't think that's the right movie, but... yeah, Not yet. Nope. All right, here we go. In the new Teen Titans Go comic... The gang goes to camp, but it is run by whom? Is it A, Batman, B, Darkseid, or is it C, Eddie Izzard? So it's either A or it's B. I think Darkseid. Yeah, it is Darkseid. Taskmaster. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Here we go. Last one. Scott Snyder's Project Nocturnal involves blank. Is it A, Death Metal, B, Big Rig Truckers, 
Or is it C, Patricia Arquette? So it's either A, and you don't win, or it's B, and you do win. Mm. Mm. I want to win, so big rig truckers. Yeah! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Congrats. It's great to see you. Hope that you are well. And I'm sorry that you like Cyclops so much. I also hate Wolverine. Aww. <laughs> Are you well, both those? People? Yeah, yeah, I was both. I was both. <laughs> That's hilarious, oh, man! What a one-two punch! <laughs> I wanted right. to get him to say either name. So oh, I love it. <laughs> hilarious. All right. uh, shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail We'll get you set up with a twenty-five dollar gift card to Midcon Comics. <laughs> Have a great day. Have a great night. Great seeing you. Oh, right, hilarious! Folks. I love Pete. You're so you're so loud. I could hear you echoing, and I, I it was literally across the country. I think you were resonating off the Grand Canyon and bouncing all the way over to. Nice. I just wanted to say, um, uh, it's the secret agent is the Robin Williams film. Cool. Uh, play- now, are you are you doing movies that weren't made now? Like just like scripts that he read, perhaps. Um, first off, fuck you. And secondly, mm-hmm. he was uncredited, but he bra- played the professor. Uncredited. Wow. <laughs> Let me throw this out to you, Pete. I watched, um, I watched uh, What About Bob last night. Yeah. You, you got to do Bill Murray. Let's get <laughs> Bill Murray in here. Come on. Well, that's, come on. Come on. First off, uh, you know, first, uh, you know, we, let's finish one thing before we start another. I and, think it's safe uh, to say that you're good on the Robin Williams front. First, uh, that guy says, what if you did comic book movies instead? And that's crazy. This trivia is about paying tribute to Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. It's been, Thank you. it's been going on for over a year. You're, you're damn right. Uh, it's, it's so crazy. He meant a lot to me. So we're going to fucking milk this fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, I love when people milk stuff, especially when they're a caddy daddy like Pete. Oh, Lee, why we're going to fight later. As we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day, unless, of course, you're talking about DC Comics. They're already out, uh, but most of comics are going to be out tomorrow. So what are you looking forward to, Pete? I'm, look, I'm looking forward to Once and Future number 10. Uh, this book is ridiculous. Every time I pick it up, it keeps getting better. Uh, there's nothing quite like a badass grandma just taking care of business. You know what I mean? Just fucking shit up. I love it. Nothing like it. Uh, Justin, there's, what about you? What are you looking forward to? I got to give it up for something that only I would recommend and no one else in this podcast would ever enjoy a book like this. Wonder Woman Dead Earth, number four. Uh, Fantastic book. Um, (laughs) uh, Daniel Warren Johnson does the the, uh, story and art, and it's so good. He does the story and the art? That's right. He does both, and it's really great on both fronts. In a time when there's so much um, DC uh, characters in, like, post-apocalyptic, we-fucked-it-up stories, this one really stands out. Um, And I really enjoyed this. I hope to really enjoy this when I read it. Yes, who even knows? Nobody has any idea. Uh, I'm looking forward to G.I. Joe number seven. Yeah! Crazy surprises me, but we read the last issue of this book, and it was... A huge surprise how good and how interesting it was. 
Uh, so I found myself when we were going through the stack. This is the one that I was actually most eager to read, which I could not believe. Wow. That feeling that was welling inside of me. The tables have turned. I look forward to reading it, and then I'll probably have a take that's like, wow, this book is surprisingly excellent. Yes, but we'll see what happens when we post we'll our Slack happens. podcast in the Pop, yes. Club feed and its own feed Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. So definitely check that out. And folks... That is it for our show. A couple of people want to thank as we start to wrap up here. Of course, we want to thank our amazing guest, Jeremy Whitley. Go pick up School for Extraterrestrials, book one, Girl on Fire, which is on stands and virtually available right now. Steve Orlando. Yes, Steve. Coming up in October. Definitely check that out. Also, a couple of things to plug from us. Uh, we have a couple of other podcasts to write. Let's hear it for the boys. Our boys podcast is revving up for season two. Umbrella Academy, our Umbrella Academy podcast, is getting ready uh, to not quite finish season one yet, but we're making our way. We're, we're getting there. Uh, we also have a special episode of our Riverdale podcast, Riverdale After Dark, that just went up. Check that out. It's live with some hot goss. Real hot goss. Patreon.com slash comic book club if you want to support this show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. For myself and Caddy Daddy and the rest of the team. <laughs> it's just me. I'm the only one. Oh, Caddy I'm Daddy, Caddy White. Caddy Mommy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm Caddy Mommy. Right. Caddy Mommy. <laughs> You're Caddy Mommy. <laughs> bye bye, everybody.